the, uh, the pattern of the Bible, the structure of the Bible, going right the way through it, and uh, really structured around the covenants of God, the covenants of God. And uh, this third message, I think, is a very important message because it sets, I think, a context for understanding what faith is. And that, I think, is very important. Before we go into it and uh, expound these passages, the various passages I'm going to be looking at, I want to pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would bless this church and bless this uh, series and this sermon today. Open our eyes and open our ears. Help us to, Father, understand your word and that you have a, a project which is ongoing in creation, which will be consummated by the return of Christ and his reign upon earth and then the new heavens and the new earth. And we don't know when that's going to be, Lord. Um, We can speculate, but that's all that it would be. But, Father, we have faith that you have placed us here in this time and this place and that uh, our job is to look up. Our job is to uh, conduct ourselves uh, walking in the Spirit by your word. Lord, that is not easy for the reasons that we're going to bring out today. But I pray that this message helps us to understand this a bit more and helps us to have hope um, that we can do that. I pray, Lord, for all that are sick, that you would raise them up and bless them. I pray for those that are traveling or that are away, that you be with them where they are. I ask, Father, for your um, guidance for those that have power over us. Lord, whether we agree with them or not, we pray that uh, you would have your will and your way in decisions. And that, uh, Lord, that you would help us to lead a quiet life here on earth. We pray, though, for those of your believers, many of them, who are suffering, who are being persecuted throughout the world. And we lift them up and we ask, Lord, for uh, relief, for blessing upon them and their families, for help for them, Lord, and that their witness uh, would bear much fruit. We ask these things, Father, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are going to talk about Thinking independently of God. Now, some of you have been in my Sunday school classes and so on are aware that I place quite a lot of emphasis on this issue. I think that the Bible addresses it and as usual, as what's usual in the Bible addresses this quite, quite clearly, so clearly actually, that we can forget or overlook it. And we can look for something that's a bit more complex or something that is a bit more um, involved. But this is a very easy thing for us to grasp. Once we understand there's a biblical pattern, 
behind this. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 3 with me, it's not the first, that's not the only place that we're going to go to. But Genesis chapter 3 records the fall of man. And uh, we've looked at this before, of course, but it's, it's very important to keep coming back to this. There's so much in this passage. It starts off with the serpent coming to the woman <clears throat> and questioning her about what God said. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. No, he didn't say that at all. That's a paraphrase of what God said. God has said, do not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God didn't say anything about touching it at all. That's something that she uh, added to it. We have a tendency to add to what God said. And you can see where it comes from. You can see it's a very ancient art. And uh, I'm not blaming Eve for it because we do it. The disciples did it. But we need to watch for it. We need to be aware of it. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. He adds the word surely back in that she'd taken out. And shows exactly, uh, shows that he did know what God said. But you see, he was trying to do something here, something that he's very good at. He's trying to shift the ground. He's trying to shift her thinking from off of God and God's word and onto something else. Mainly, actually onto herself. Herself, her faculties, her reason. Because once our reason is detached from God's word, it will just float away. It will do its own thing. And I'll bring that out in this message. Not only does he question the word of God, but he also seems to know what God knows. He seems to know what's in God's mind. For God knows, verse 5, that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was, look, good for food, that's one, that it was two, pleasant to the eyes, and three, a tree desirable to make one wise, and she took of its fruit and ate She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They did not know everything about good and evil. That was a lie. But they did know that they were naked. How come they didn't know that before? I mean, it's not like it wasn't obvious. How come they didn't know that? Well, they didn't know that because it wasn't an issue. 
But it became an issue after they had disobeyed God and listened to the serpent. Do you see? And that is the fall. That is the cause of our present distresses and all of the distresses of the world. In history, what's going on right now, what will go on in the future, that right there. Simple, isn't it? A simple thing. What was it? Not paying heed to the word of God. Not paying heed to the word of God. That's what gets us in trouble. But something something happened, you see. It says the eyes of both of them were, were open. They realized something that they weren't supposed to realize. And then he started reasoning in a, a very odd way. Look at verse 7. They made coverings for themselves. They decided, oh, God has made us like this, but we're naked. So, oh, we need coverings. They've decided that that's what they need, you see. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves because that's what you do, you see. That's what, that's what you do when you're ashamed, when you don't want any connection with God. You hide yourself. Hadn't done that before. But you see, their reasoning was changed. Their reasoning was different. That's what I'm calling your attention to. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Well, there's reason there, isn't there? Can you see that? He is reasoning. But should he be reasoning that way? That's the important thing. We can use our reason, and we often do use our reason and our thinking, to reason in a way that God doesn't want us to reason. We can make all kinds of excuses. God has given us a rational faculty to reason, okay? To think things through. But it was never intended to be used independently of the word of God. It was intended to be used under the word of God so that we would go out understanding what God wants and go and do something good that reflected God's word, God's character, and our relationship with God. My theory is we don't do that. Who told you you were naked? Verse 11. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Answer. Answer. Well, it's actually the woman's fault. Okay? And it's actually your fault because you gave me the woman. Is that, is that an answer? The answer is, yes, I've disobeyed you. But what's he doing? Instead of answering straight, he's using his reason to get around it. 
Do you see that? Folks, this is how all of the false religions came about. This is how all the false philosophies came about, right here. Just extrapolations of this. Okay, ways not to face God, ways not to hear his word, ways to make ourselves feel better. Do you see? And you add to it and add to it and add to it and add to it. More, You get more intellects together. And you come up with all of the religions and all the philosophies and all the falsehoods that we have today. These are all avoidances of the voice of God using fallen human reason or independent reason. Because, you see, go back to verse 6. Independent reason. Look at verse 6. Notice how she reasoned. She saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. And so she just decided that she would eat it. And then she decided that she would give it some to her husband. <clears throat> now, she was deceived. Okay, she was deceived. We're told that by the Apostle Paul. He wasn't. But she was deceived into reasoning in an independent way, an autonomous way. Look at what uh, God, or through Moses, in chapter 2, said about the tree. Verse 9. Out of the ground... Uh, out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is, one, pleasant to the sight, and two, good for food. Well, it matches what Eve thought about the tree in verse 6 of chapter 3, didn't it? Apart from she added something. It was desirous to make one wise. God didn't say that. That's something she added. Well, how did she do that? She got that from another authority. And that's where Satan wanted her. You see, Satan wanted her. It doesn't matter if she agreed with God most of the time, which she did. It didn't matter. What mattered is she was thinking independently of God. Do you see? She was saying, not, oh, this is what God has said, therefore I'm going to believe it, because it's, God defines things, because he's God, he's the creator. But rather, I'm going to get from under the word of God and his definition of things, and I'm going to think independently of God, and I'm going to arrive at my own conclusions. And she did. And it just so happened that two of her conclusions agreed with God. Great. Good, good, good. Many people who are not Christians can arrive at conclusions using their independent reasoning which agree with Christian teaching. Does God accept it? No. Why not? Because they're thinking independently of him. 
And that's not what human beings are designed to do. Can you see that from this passage? It's there. And it's also throughout the Bible. Now, this would be a very long sermon if I went to all of the places or even half the places where this is proven. But let's just go to the Tower of Babel, okay? We'll just go to a few passages. Genesis chapter 11. So my first point was how to describe a tree, okay? God described it in a certain way. Eve described it in a certain way. But Eve added something to it, and she did it independently of God. She described the tree wrongly because she was not under the word of God. Tower of Babel, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Okay. Here's a problem, though, straight away. Can you notice, I mean, is God anywhere in their reasoning? He's not, is he? This is humanism. This is the exaltation of humanism. Let us make ourselves a name. Not let's make God a name. This is humanism. Okay? God's not in the picture at all. God wanted people to spread out. I mean, after the flood, God said to Noah and to the families, you know, spread out on all the earth. What do they want to do? They want to stay together. They want to disobey God. What are they doing? They are thinking independently of God. And therefore they're disobeying God. They're sinning. So, uh, verse 5, The Lord came down to see the city and tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose will uh, to do will be withheld from them. This is not God being a big meanie. Okay? This is God saying, these people are wicked, they're ungodly, and their ungodliness will ramp up if, you, if they're just allowed to do this. Not that it didn't get pretty bad anyway, but it would have got ten times worse. Verse 7, come, let us go down and there confuse their language. It wasn't difficult. For God to do, he didn't need to come down and bring another flood or anything like that, just confuse their language. But notice the two words in verse 7, let us. And notice how that is repeated 
by the people in verse 4. Let us. Do you see that? God says let us because he has a certain thing that he wants to do. He has a will. His will is always right. His will is uh, should be the will that we should follow. Let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. And so he did. And we saw God's words and God's actions, how they equal each other last week. Do you see that? But when we say let us, but we don't bring God and God's word into it, that's sin. But that's what we do. I mean, we do it all the time, folks. We do it all the time. And so, let's build a tower for our own name. Never got finished. Let's have a New Testament example. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. While you're turning there, how many of you are familiar with the book of Jeremiah, particularly at the end of the book of Jeremiah? God had told Jeremiah, I mean in the beginning of the book, he told Jeremiah, go and tell King Zedekiah to go out to the Babylonians and surrender and you'll be fine. So what should they have been doing? What should they have done? They should have surrendered. Well, I'm a king. You know, I'm a, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You're a nobody when it comes to God. Go and do what God said. Did he? No. What happened? Babylonians came in and took them all captives. Well, not all of them. They killed a good many of them. At the end of the book of Jeremiah, you would have thought that the people had learned their lesson and let's listen to the man of God. God tells Jeremiah, don't go down to Egypt. So what happens? Where did they go? They go down to Egypt, taking Jeremiah with them. Independent thinking. Oh, let's get together. Let's have a committee about this. Let's think through what's the best thing to do. Trusting to their own reason, to their own intellect, they come up with something that God said don't do. And that's what we do. We, how can we say we? Matthew chapter 17. Verse 1, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
Mark says, by the way, he, didn't, he adds here that he didn't know what he said. He was just talking. He was just overcome by the situation. Okay? So he started blabbing. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. You say, well, what about the other two? What about Moses and Elijah? I mean, they're impressive. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Because Jesus and his word as the Son of God, and here he's manifesting himself as the Son of God, is all we need. But Peter, you see, he's putting Moses and Elijah, I mean, yeah, they're impressive people. He's putting them at at the same level as Jesus. Let's make three tabernacles. Thinking independently, do you see? And so God's voice comes in and says, look, this is my son, not the other two. Listen to him. A chapter before this, chapter 16, Peter has to be rebuked by Jesus. Jesus says that he's going to uh, go and he's going to be, go to Jerusalem and he's going to be falsely accused and he's going to be killed. Peter responds, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. How does Jesus respond to him? Get behind me, Satan, because you do not savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. What's Peter's crime? He's thinking independently. Jesus has said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. That's the word of God. What's Peter doing? He's throwing out the word of God. Did he mean to do it? No. But you know what? That doesn't excuse him. Because we have to understand that the word of God is the word of God. And our response to the word of God should be yes. Do you understand? Our response to the word of God is that, okay, what do you want me to do? Now, every other voice, we can question, okay? doesn't carry this authority. But when it comes to God's voice, God's voice carries absolute authority. This book is the word of God. It has absolute authority. And God will judge me and he will judge you in accordance with the way that we have obeyed this book. And here's the problem. We have a tendency to disobey it. And why do we have a tendency to disobey it? Because we like to think independently of what the book says. That's why. We think we know better. We think we don't need to consult the word of God on this one. We've got this, thank you. 
And we end up building our own little towers, towers of Babel. We end up reasoning and identifying something, agreeing with God maybe, but it doesn't matter. It's our appraisal of it. It's not God's appraisal. It's our appraisal. That's thinking independently. You say, well, I mean, are you teaching here that we're just robots and we just, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. No. If we know what the word of God says and we take that into the way that we uh, interpret life and interpret the way that we do things, there's freedom in that. The other way brings spiritual bondage. Paul says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. But Christ is Lord, and Christ tells us what to do. But in that, living in that, that's where we find freedom. That's why we find liberty. Do you see? Obeying the word of God gives us liberty, stops us being foolish, stops us sinning. I mean, stops us sinning like we have that propensity to sin. It certainly uh, takes away a lot of those temptations and opportunities and so on because we're not in those places and we're not thinking those thoughts because we're in the word of God. And if we, are, we do think those thoughts... We have the word of God that comes in alongside to tell us, no, this is what you do. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So I had to include it here. On the same day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. That's what he said. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You say, what's that got to do with being thinking independently of God? I would have done the same thing. I'm not pointing the finger at them, okay, the, the disciples. I would have started panicking too, probably, okay? But the fact of the matter is Jesus rebuked them. Why did he rebuke them? Because they woke him up. 
Well, why did they wake him up? Because they didn't think that they were going to make it to the other side. That's why. What did Jesus said? Let's go to the other side. So guess what? That's where they were going. And that's exactly where they ended up. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'll tell you who it is. It's the God of heaven and earth. It's the creator. We need to understand that. We need to understand that when he speaks, he speaks with all the power of the creator, all the authority as as the Lord of history. He has all authority. At the end of the book of Matthew, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All right, that's enough. So should we obey him or not? Here's an interesting thing, though, here I want you to see. Why, how is it that you have no faith? Why does he bring faith into this? Well, if we have a propensity to think independently of God, and you know you do. You know you do. What brings us back into dependence on God? What is it? It's faith. It's faith. That's what faith is for. That's why you need it. That's why you can't please God without it. We want to go our own way. We want to think our own thoughts. We want to, you know, pilot our own ship. I thoroughly understand it because I want to do that too. What we need is faith. What we need is faith in the word of God to bring us back from that independent Position, that default that's in all of us. Our default setting, okay, is to be independent of God. And I don't care if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, that's your default setting. And you know that. You know that you have to come, keep coming back to the Word of God to correct yourself. That's how you know that your default setting is not to obey God. To do your own thing, get dragged away, okay? You have to, as it were, moor your boat up to the word of God. Because if it, the, I'm not very good at, uh, uh, why did I choose that illustration? I don't even know what I'm talking about. But the, if the rope doesn't, you know, comes loose, you drift away and that's the way that you go. And that's natural for us. In Mark chapter 12, you say, where's that in the outline? Well, I just threw it in. In Mark chapter 12, the Sadducees come to Jesus. They say there's no resurrection. They'd reason to themselves there's no resurrection. 
And he asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take up his wife and raise up offspring to his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he had no uh, offspring, and the second took her, and he died. And he didn't, uh, neither, neither did he leave any offspring, and a third likewise, and seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Should think so. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all of the seven had her as a wife, thinking independently, you see, reasoning in this independent way. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God? If they'd known the scriptures, they wouldn't be using their reason in that stupid way. And neither would we. If we recall the scriptures, we wouldn't get into half of the problems we get into. We wouldn't worry. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Have you abandoned me? Can't you see the problem I'm in? Can you not see that I need this, that I want that? That you know, When are you going to answer me? I mean, it's a very human thing. But the response is always the same. That comes from independent thinking, independent reasoning. What we need is faith to bring us back into depending upon God. God wants you to depend upon him. He wanted Adam and Eve to depend upon him as a faithful and good and benevolent creator. He wants us to depend upon God. What is another word for dependence on God? Faith. Faith. So, in conclusion, I think I have shown, and I could show, you know, in many other examples, that we struggle to trust God. We struggle to trust God. We find it easy to go in our own way and think our own thoughts, and many times those thoughts, um, they can be influenced by other voices, Satan's voice, the world's voice, friends, well-meaning friends' voices. And we can get ourselves in a pickle because we think that God's not paying attention. We think God's not going to be faithful. We think that, you know, God, he doesn't see our condition. But the word of God tells us that he does. The word of God comforts us with the thought that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he knew Nathaniel under the tree before he'd even seen Nathaniel, he sees you too. If God's thoughts toward David are more than he could number, that's the way that God's thoughts are toward you. If he knows you're uprising, you're down-sitting, and everything else about you, then I think you're covered, and so am I. In that, 
God doesn't want us just to say, oh, okay, that's not, I don't want to need to think about anything. No, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to have a full life. Reasoning in line with what is good, what is just, what is loving, what is in a reflection of the character of God. The application, you know, is in the words, isn't it? I mean, we understand that we have this problem. I'm giving you the solution. I'm giving myself the solution. I have to give myself the solution all the time. Why? Because I've, I've, I'm, I'm going back to this illustration that I don't know anything about. But I'm, I've taken the rope off the thingamy bob, okay? The mooring, whatever. And it, I'm just floating. I'm just floating. I'm doing my own thing and I'm wondering, you know, where's God? Why doesn't God see? You know what God wants me to do? Get the oar out and get back to the dock. And in that, you will find peace. Even in troubling situations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to learn this lesson. And when we don't learn it, because we don't learn it, help us, Father, to remind ourselves of it and what we need to do we don't want to add to your word we don't want to take away from your word we don't want to paraphrase it we don't want to ignore it but father we find it so easy to do these things in one way or another in different aspects of our lives And I pray that in your mercy and in your goodness, Father, you would help us to see what we need to do. We need to have faith in what you've said. We need to absolutely stand there knowing that you are as good as your word. And, Lord, standing there under the authority of your word and depending upon you, We will have freedom, we will have peace, and we will have wisdom to know which way to go. Help us, we pray, because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.